Well, uh, Ryan mentioned during the announcements a little while ago the big give that was yesterday. This is just a few pictures from the big give. You can see students lined up outside, students receiving furniture and household items. Uh, We had a number of great volunteers. If you are one of those volunteers, we just want to say thank you for coming out. I heard last night that we were able to provide furniture and household items to uh, a little over 300 international students. Uh, If that gives you an idea of the magnitude of this event. If you weren't able to help out with it this year, uh, I'd encourage you to come out next year and just see what the Lord does in the lives of these students, conversations that we're able to have, and then the opportunity to, to help them get set up, and not only to get set up, but to extend the grace of Jesus Christ to students who have come from all over the world. So if you helped out with that, we want to say thank you. This morning, we are going to talk for a little bit about some of the values that drive us as a church. And as I was thinking about that this week, I was remembering my own short-lived athletic career. Uh, Mostly began when I was in about first or second grade and ended by the time I hit junior high uh, because my ability level just wasn't enough to keep it going. Uh, Like many of you, I played t-ball and baseball uh, when I was really young. And uh, somewhere around third, second or third grade, I was on a t-ball team. And my coach for this team had some pretty strict guidelines for what you had to do in order to be allowed to play in the game. And uh, one of his guidelines was you had to show up with your uniform all correct. Uh, If you showed up with any part of your uniform not there, your hat, uh, the right shoes, whatever it was, you couldn't play. So uh, one day on the way to a game, I remember asking my dad, Dad, what would happen if I showed up and I didn't have my hat on or I tried to go out and play without my hat? And my dad said, well, I guess based on your coach's rules, you wouldn't be allowed to play. You'd have to sit in the dugout for the whole game. Wouldn't be able to play. So I In my third grade mind, I kind of tucked that away for reference, Uh, went to the game, and uh, I got out to my normal position, which was right field. They put me there because I could do the least amount of damage. The ball almost never comes to right field. It's for the kids like me who are more interested in whatever's on the ground, the insects, the flowers, whatever, uh, than they are in the game. But uh, this particular game, I heard the crack of the bat. And uh, I looked up and I saw the ball headed straight toward me, right? Every third grade right fielder's nightmare. The ball's coming my way. Uh, I look up and uh, I see the ball as it goes right past me and heads out into the field. I totally missed it. So I turned around and I started to chase the ball. uh, But before I reached the ball, a gust of wind blew my hat right off my head. So now I was standing between the ball and my hat. And I had a serious dilemma on my hands uh, because I knew that if I didn't get the ball, I would miss the play. But of course, if I didn't get my hat, the coach was going to kick me out of the game right there. Uh, My dad was there, of course, at the game. And I could hear my dad yelling, the ball, right? Because my dad knows what I'm thinking as I pause. Uh, But I'm standing there in between the hat and the ball. And I thought, no, I know what he's saying right now contradicts what he told me in the car. So uh, you can see where this is headed. I paused for a moment. I turned around to get the hat, grabbed the hat, put it on, turned back around to try to go get the ball. But by then, one of my teammates had grabbed the ball and had already thrown it into the infield to make the play. Now you understand why my athletic career was short-lived. 
uh, at the end of the season when they gave out awards to all the kids, my award said something like, keep your eye on the ball, right? That was the award that they gave to me. And uh, I thought about this, that this week because uh, that principle, keep your eye on the ball, is a fundamental principle in life, particularly for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, we want to focus on what matters and not become sidetracked or distracted with peripheral issues, really in every avenue of life, we could see this principle play out. Uh, Those of you who have been watching the Olympics or keeping up with the Olympics this year, no doubt saw this image from the men's 200 meter butterfly a week or so ago. This is Michael Phelps. In the lane next to him is Chad LeClos. And in the run up to the race, LeClos was so focused on Michael Phelps that you can see even in the butterfly when there's really no good reason for him to be looking to the side. He's focused on his competitor. Phelps is focused where? On the goal. On the goal. And who wins the prize? The one who focuses on the finish line. You see that same attitude permeate the writings of the Apostle Paul. If you look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, he says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. In the book of Philippians, chapter 3, he says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I will leave every distraction behind me and I will fix my eyes on Jesus Christ and on the priorities of Jesus Christ and run straight toward him. And that is the attitude that he took toward his preaching, toward his ministry, toward his life. We want to be those type of people, and we want to be that type of church that says we will focus first and foremost on the values of Jesus Christ and refuse to become distracted by peripheral issues. It is easy to become distracted by peripheral issues. Uh, We could sit in here this morning and all of us could debate the style of music we're singing. We could debate the color and the height of the curtains in the room. Some of us have. We could discuss the color of the play panels. We could lose our focus. We could simply become distracted from the Word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And churches who become distracted over time are churches that get sick and die. And so this morning what we want to do is talk about the values that drive Grace Bible Church. Because we ultimately want to become a church that gives off the fragrance of Jesus Christ in this community and throughout this world. And so we want to have a laser-like focus on those values that ought to drive us. Grace has existed as a church for 51 years. Grace Creekside has existed for one. 
right? But the values that drive us ought to be the values that have driven Grace Bible Church from the beginning. If you go on to our website, you will find mission and vision and values. And there are a number of values listed on our website. I'm really only going to emphasize three this morning that I think most communicate who we are as a church so that we can spend our time, we can spend our money, we can spend our resources and energy on the values that ought to drive us as a church so that we can be effective for having an impact, having an impact in this community for Jesus Christ. That men and women hear the name of Jesus Christ through us and trust in him. That those of us in this room grow closer to Jesus Christ that we as a church body fulfill the great commission to go into all the nations and make disciples. Uh, If you have been at Grace for a while, much of this will be review. If you're here for the first time, the beginning of a new fall semester, we felt, is a great opportunity to refresh these values. Uh, We will do this on a periodic basis so we don't become sidetracked or distracted. So what are the values that Uh, drive us as a church. The first one is this, we value the gospel of grace. We value the gospel of grace. There's a reason that we are called Grace Bible Church. Grace is the first word in the name of our church. That's not by accident because we are a church from the very beginning that has said what is first and foremost, what we want to place at the center is the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died in our place, for our sin, and rose again, and he offers to all who will trust in him eternal life as an absolutely free gift. If you were here last week, you heard Blake talk about salvation and soteriology and the freeness of the gospel. Grace is simply a word that says God has given to us what we don't deserve. He has given to us his favor And we have done nothing to earn it. And that principle is at the core of who we are. I believe it's consistent with how Paul views his own values. As you look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then he goes on to talk about Jesus' post-resurrection appearances to his people. And Paul says, what is of first importance? The good news of Jesus Christ. This past summer, uh, our family flew to Boston to visit some family. Uh, We picked up my niece and nephew, and with our three kids, we traveled from Boston back to Texas. So uh, Shannon and I had five children to get onto a plane, uh, make a connection, I think, in Baltimore, and then get over to Texas. And uh, as often happens, we got on the plane in Boston, uh, we pulled away from the gate, and then we stopped. We didn't go anywhere. And uh, we waited five minutes. 10 minutes, no word from the cockpit, 15, 20 minutes, and you know how it goes. You start to get frustrated, and uh, there's not a lot of air circulation, and people are getting hot in the airplane. You're wondering about the delay. We're imagining now what will happen if we miss our connection in Baltimore, and we have to sit in Baltimore for hours 
with five children to entertain. So we're getting angry. You're like, what is the pilot doing? Is he finishing a novel? Is he watching a movie? What is going on up there? Finally, after about 30 minutes on the tarmac, he comes on uh, the intercom and he says, ladies and gentlemen, I really apologize for the delay. The reason we're sitting here is because there's a warning light in the cockpit, a safety light. And he said, I won't take off until a mechanic looks at that light and I know it's safe for us to fly. So we're going to pull back to the gate for a minute, have a mechanic look at it, and then hopefully we'll be on our way. Well, all of a sudden, that changes the whole perspective of this situation, doesn't it? Uh, Because there is something worse than being a little hot and sweaty. There is something worse than missing a connection, and that is crashing in an airplane. And all of a sudden, you realize staying alive is more significant than getting there on time in a convenient way. And it it drove home to me that that pilot understood his priorities and even said it. The first priority on this airplane is the safety of the passengers. As a church, the first priority of this church is the life of the people in this room and in this community. We believe that the only hope of eternal life is Jesus Christ. And so there are numerous issues that could distract us. But as a church, we say of first importance is the message of the gospel of grace so that our programs, our services are oriented around that message. You will hear that message in every sermon we preach from the front of this room not only because we recognize there may be men and women in this room who have not trusted in Jesus Christ, but because for those of us who have trusted in Him, we have a responsibility to hear it and focus on it, not only every Sunday, but every day of our lives to place the good news of Jesus Christ in front of us and say, that is why we live and it is what we live for. This is why we engage in events like the International Student Furniture Giveaway. This is why we have a robust missions program at this church. where We send some 70 to 75 missionaries all around the world to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. It's why 20 to 25% of our budget as a church historically has gone to the missions program. Because we believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. It's why we do summer events like Backyard Bible Club. It's why we do fall events like the Country Fair. To have an opportunity to reach in this community and connect with men and women who need Jesus Christ. And here at Grace Creekside, we want to be one arm of Grace Bible Church that fulfills that purpose. We value the gospel of Jesus Christ. Secondly, we value the Word of God. We value the Word of God because we believe that the Word of God is absolutely true and is powerful to change lives and hearts. Isaiah chapter 55, the prophet says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower, And bread to the eater, so will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. 
It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. God tells Isaiah, the words that I speak are true and effective. That's why the author of Hebrews will say that the word of God is powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. When God says something, it fulfills its purpose in the world. If God promises that Jesus will return and establish His kingdom, it will happen. If God promises that the Spirit of God will be with His people until the end of days, it will happen. Everything God says will happen, will happen. And we believe that in the written Word of God is contained the authority of God's speech. That God has spoken and placed His words in the Bible. So we value the Word of God and we proclaim the Word of God. Over and over, you will hear of grace, Bible, churches, commitment to the Word of God. A passage that I think I literally used two or three weeks ago in a sermon. 2 Timothy 3, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Next week, we're going to start a series about 2 Timothy, and we will hear this passage again. In fact, we will hear these first two values, the gospel and the word of God. Uh, You may hear them to the point that you go, I get it, I know, I'm sick of it. We're going to keep saying it, much like you do with your children. There are things you tell your kids, if you have kids, that you tell them over and over and over and over again. In fact, that's really what parenting is, isn't it? You say the same things over and over again for 18 years. It's what you do. Be nice to your sibling. Stop slapping your sister with that magazine. For my son, when you wake up in the morning, immediately feed the dog. And what do they say? I know. Why do you always tell me? Why? Because you're slapping your sister. Right now, you're doing it. Because I hear the dog walking around, needing to go out, and there will be an accident. And I hear it. And I say it every day. Say please. Say thank you. Every single day. And they say, I know, I know. Why do you keep telling me? And here's why. Because one, you forget. And two, it's really important. And so we repeat and we repeat and we repeat. Same thing with these first two values. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God. We are forgetful people. If you think about the nation of Israel in the wilderness, they would get out in the wilderness and they would say, ah, we hate this manna. We hate the way we're having to live out here. We hate what is happening. And all throughout their history, they would do that. They would say, we cannot trust God. And so God would send prophets and say, don't you remember the character of God who led you out of Egypt, who parted the Red Sea so you could get out of that place? And drowned the Egyptians in the sea and led you into this land. And you think Baal is better. Remember, remember, remember the goodness of God. And so the same values will inform our preaching. The same values will inform all that we do. 
In fact, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God are two values that are intimately connected in the life of this church because if we neglect the word of God, we will abandon the gospel. I had a friend in high school who had trusted Christ somewhere around her sophomore year in high school through a friend. And as I got to talking with her, I said, uh, tell me about your journey of, of trusting in Jesus Christ. And she said, you know, it's interesting. I went to church every single week growing up, but I never heard the message of the gospel. And I said, how is that possible? She said, well, come with me to visit the church in which I grew up. So I did. We went into the church and they, they opened the Bible and they read a passage and then they closed it and they proclaimed a message for 45 minutes that was 100% psychology and they didn't mention the scripture again. Jesus was not mentioned. The gospel was not mentioned. And we walked out at the end of that morning and she said, do you get it now? And I said, now I understand. A church that abandons the word of God, abandons the gospel itself. So we will be a church that repeatedly will talk about our value on the gospel and the value of the word of God. Those first two values will drive all that we do. We value the gospel. We value God's word. Thirdly, we value people. We want to be a church that values people because ultimately uh, we can have the best uh, kids room. We can have the best music, the best sermons. Uh, and if we are not thinking about the spiritual development and growth and health of the men and women in this room, all of us, then we're wasting our time. I was thinking this week about my freshman chemistry professor. I had to take an introductory chemistry course at A&M and uh, walked into the room in Heldenfels or what, whatever building it was, and there were 300 students in the classroom. And it became apparent after a couple of class sessions that the professor didn't like us. Uh, it was clear that uh, his main goal was to get through the lecture and say he had done it. But it didn't really matter if we were in the room or not. Uh, he would read portions of the textbook. He muttered so quietly, you could not hear the man. If you asked a question, he might answer something that made some kind of sense. And it was obvious that his primary goal was not to engage students with chemistry so they could understand it, but to check this off his list and say he had done it so he could do, go do whatever you know, he really wanted to do, solve nuclear fission or whatever he was doing back in his office. Uh, meanwhile, across the street, there was a very popular chemistry tutor who was translating what this man was saying. And this tutor, I promise you, was making a fortune. <laughs> Packing students into a room day after day after day, explaining chemistry in a creative way. And students would go out and ace the tests based on what this man said. And I thought, what a contrast. One of them is there 
just because he's going through the motions. The other is there maybe because he's making a lot of money, but on some level, because he wants you to learn the subject matter. When we come in here to Grace Bible Church, our goal is not just to set up curtains and chairs and lights and sound and kids' areas and all of those things because we have to do something with our Sunday morning. But instead, we are here because we want men and women to encounter Jesus Christ through the power of His Word and the power of His Spirit so that we draw closer to Him, so that we learn how to proclaim Him and obey Him. A couple of goals that we have, and there's a lot of ways we could frame these goals, but we want everybody to be emotionally, spiritually, physically healthy, and we want everybody to be holy. As I think about this idea of spiritual, emotional health, one passage that popped into my mind this week was this one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. What am I uh, saying with this passage? What is Paul talking about with this passage? The issue is this, that as we seek to pursue Jesus Christ, we recognize that many in this room, all of us in this room, will face situations of grief, will face situations of trouble, whether it be a sin or addiction, will face situations of pain, And part of the value of the body of Christ is we say we want to be an avenue of comfort and peace for the men and women in this room so that you can grow and be healthy so you can walk closely with Jesus. And so if you were here a couple of weeks ago, we uh, heard a testimony from our Celebrate Recovery Ministry. We talked about our care ministries Because we really believe before you can be effective in proclaiming the gospel in your community, you need to be a person who is healthy spiritually and emotionally. And so we strive and want that to happen in our lives. We also strive for holiness. In the book of James, chapter 5, James says, My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner... From the error of his ways will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. We are a church that does practice church discipline through our elders and their authority. We are a church that will exhort those who are in sin because we want to pursue the holiness of God. So we desire to be healthy and holy and then we desire to be equipped for ministry. Our hope is every single person in this room has a sphere of ministry, whether that is in your workplace or in your neighborhood or serving here on Sunday morning so that others can worship God without distraction. We want to be equipped for ministry. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ that the role of leadership in the church is not to do all of the ministry, but to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. One of the uh, advantages 
of meeting in an elementary school, frankly, is that we can't even pretend that the pastors can do all of the ministry. If we ourselves were to make this service happen, Chris and I would have had to begin immediately last Sunday after the service ended. I know many of you, you've already been in a habit. You're serving with us once a month, every three weeks or whatever, and you're getting up in the mornings and you're helping set up. You're staying afterward. You're helping tear down. And thank you for your service to this church. We can't even pretend that we can do all of this on our own. Some of you are leading home groups. Some of you are equipping others for ministry. And thank you for that service. And part of our role, if you are in leadership, part of our role is to equip others and to multiply workers so that the ministry of Jesus Christ can be effective through this church. So we value the word of, we value the gospel, we value the word of God, we value people. Those are fundamentally the things that as a church we want to focus on. So how do we respond then to these values? How do we live them out? First of all, we worship. We believe that when we come on Sunday morning to sing praises to Jesus Christ, to hear the word of God proclaimed, we are worshiping him. And then with a sense of worship, we go out into the world to proclaim the good news, which we'll mention in a moment. We worship him because it orients our own hearts and minds correctly before we move out into the world. We pray. We want to be a people of prayer. Some of us gather before the service around 8.30 and we pray for the service. We pray again at 9 o'clock before the service. We pray during the service. The prayer requests that you write down on the cards, we pray for them at our staff meetings. And all of us pray throughout the week. And I would ask you, be in prayer for Grace Creekside, particularly over the course of the fall semester. Be in prayer as we look at land as we look at what it's going to take to find a facility for this campus. Be in prayer uh, for my family as kids begin school, as my wife and I seek to love one another, for Chris and his family, for all of the leadership at this church, our elders and their families, that the enemy would not attack or cause damage to our families or homes. And be in prayer for the men and women sitting next to you that we would have healthy, holy families, men and women, that we would be men and women who can pursue Jesus Christ. We pray, we serve and grow. We find a place of service, we find a place of growth. Join a home group, join a small small group Bible study, find a place of service if you don't already have one. And then we proclaim the good news of the gospel. Not only here on Sunday, but throughout the week. Now, as I was thinking about these values this week, and I was, as I was thinking about uh, what we do as a church, one of the questions that might uh, pop into your mind is, okay, how does buying land relate to these values? Right? Because over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about that a lot. Uh, you need to know that the land we are looking at, uh, this property is uh, being found at the culmination of really a two-year land search on the part of our elders and leadership. We began searching for property before we even had a single service here at Grace Creekside. 
Right, for the last uh, couple of years, uh, we've talked with property owners. We've looked around. We've even talked with some of you in this room. Uh, probably about, uh, I don't know, three to four weeks ago, uh, these property owners uh, talked with us and said, we would be willing to consider selling you this piece of property. Now, let me show you uh, kind of where the property is. Actually, let me back up before I talk about where the property is and talk about uh, the issue of uh, where our community is headed and why this is a significant need for us. Uh, Many of you will know that right now, 107,000 people roughly live in College Station. Uh, That's up from about 93,000 at the last census, which was in 2010. So uh, we have grown by about 14,000 people in the last six years. Uh, The current projections that I saw uh, say that by 2025, we'll be at about 145,000. Now, nobody can project these things with perfect accuracy, but that's about the best number that I saw. So in the next nine years, imagine almost another 40,000 people moving into this community. When I was a student at A&M, that's how many people went to the entire school. Most of that growth is taking place in this area of town. Most of the growth is taking place in this area of town. Uh, Right now, the best estimate I could find is maybe twenty to 30,000 people live in South College Station, which would be roughly south of Barron Road. Uh, That number is going to increase substantially over the next 10 years. And yet, there's no other churches south of William D. Fitch. Uh, I went on to, now there may be one that I'm unaware of, but uh, I did some web searches, looked at Google Maps. I could not find another church in this community listed south of William D. Fitch. We're about it. And so in the fastest growing area of College Station. There's not a church to proclaim the gospel, to draw people to Jesus Christ. And so throughout this whole process, we've said, let's establish a spot where we can do that from South College Station. Place people can go to quickly on Sunday morning to hear the good news of the gospel. Some of you have already probably talked to people that have driven by on a Sunday morning and seen us meeting here, and decided to come and try it out. Because we really are, at this point, virtually the only church this far south. And so as we think about land, those types of things inform the decision because we say we want to value the gospel and the word of God and the people in this community to provide a church where they can worship for the next however many years until Jesus Christ returns. So as you look at where the property is, we think it is strategically located for that purpose. The red square that you see on there, that's where we are right now. That's Pebble Creek Elementary. The yellow square is roughly where the property is. Now, next uh, Sunday night, if you come out to the Grace Family Gathering, um, it will be over at our Anderson campus. Is it at 6 o'clock, Chris? 5.30. 5.30 next Sunday night. Uh, we can give you more specific details, even about the uh, negotiated price and what we're going to be voting on, uh, about the uh, more specific layout of the land. Uh, there's Some of that is still in negotiation, but we're optimistic that by next Sunday, all of that will be out on the table. We can't purchase land until the Congregation of Grace Bible Church votes yes on that per, uh, property purchase. 
Okay, but this is roughly where it is. Uh, some of you in this room, I know, live in the Williams Creek subdivision. Some of you in this room last week said, now, where is that? Uh, if you were to just go on William D. Fitch away from the highway for about two miles past Rock Prairie Road, you'll see it. In the next eight to ten years, there are numerous subdivisions planned for that area of town. You can see that there's a lot of open land over there that hasn't been developed yet. Uh, we believe that it is a strategic location where we can share the gospel, where we can engage with the community. Uh, we believe that the size of the property which is roughly uh, somewhere, it's going to end up being somewhere between 30 and 40 acres, we believe, before it's all said and done. The size of the property is such that uh, we can even create some amenities for the community in that area to serve College Station. So as we look at the values that drive us as a church, it also drives how we spend our money, drives how we spend our energy, drives how we spend our time. Thinking about 1 Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We want to be a church community that fulfills that purpose, that we say, Jesus Christ, in His mercy and His grace, gave me eternal life. And I want to extend that to as many as possible. Through worship, through prayer, through spiritual growth and service, and through proclamation. Until the Lord takes us home or until Jesus returns, we want to be a place that fulfills that purpose and lives out those values. So be in prayer for what God is doing as we meet here, probably for the next couple of years, and be in prayer for what God will do as we seek to find a place from which to fulfill these values in College Station and beyond. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for Grace Bible Church and for the many years in which this church has been pursuing and serving you, and we pray that we would continue that well. We pray we wouldn't be distracted by peripheral matters, but instead we would focus on the good news of Jesus, the Word of God, and the people in this room and in our community and in our world who need to know you. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to potentially purchase this property, and I pray that you would lead us to know whether this is the right place, and if it is, provide all that we need in every way to move forward. Father, I pray for those of us in this room that we would draw close to you over the course of this week, and I pray that we would be obedient to you in service and in the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you for this time, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.